Uh, girl, I got my voice back. Mostly. My voice is mostly back. <laughs> hey, girl. And I'm talking to your voice when I say that. How you been, sweetheart? She's like, hey. Girl. <laughs> you just take it easy. You just got back. <laughs> Patrick Hines. Um, you guys, before we get to the show, you guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. It's over 150 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a bitch right the second, you guys. So it's everything from All Be Gone in the Dark to Fear City to Don't F with Cats and The Vow, Tiger King, Lorena, Lacey Peterson, all of these, like the ones with like multi-parts, like yes. multi-part episodes, that's all on the pates for you. Even Serial, you guys. We did the first season of Serial back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, we did a podcast, remember? Yeah. Well, you developed the Sarah Koenig impression. It lives on to this day, girl. Robbie still talks about it. I know. We'll get back to that. There's a little teaser. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> There's also ad-free versions of these episodes, Corona check-ins and after parties and ringtones and, you know, hang sessions on Zoom. It's so much Jillian and me, you kind of can't stand it. Yeah, it's fun. Everyone's invited. Come join yeah, us. Exactly. Come hang. Also, join our Facebook group. If you're new to the podcast, the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group, there's over 30,000 people in there. If you're looking to connect or find more true crime options, be it if you're looking for podcasts or docs or you're just looking to make friends, come hang out with us. Yes. I always love the posts in the group that are like, my husband came into the bathroom and was like, I hear your lady screaming podcast yeah. again. Good morning. <laughs> I hear those two screaming banshees again. That's us. Travel down the road and back again. Girl, article is back. Look, you and I both just moved again, which means that we had the opportunity to go back through the article site and ravage it for more furniture. What did you get, girl? Okay, so you know I have that sectional, that couch I love, that like yes. gorgeous blue sectional. So then, because every like article goes with everything, and my style is kind of all over the place if I even mm -hmm. have style to begin with. But I got these like two gray like wing back chairs to go in our living room. They are right out Fancy. of Mad Men. I'm telling you, you think you're walking in Sterling Cooper Draper Price? I swear. But you guys, that's the whole thing about article. Article combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. And because it's online, you guys, you're saving so much money. I'm talking up to 30% off retail prices. And like Jillian said, all the furniture is that like cool mid-century modern. If you're a gay with no taste, Article gives you the furniture and the taste comes for free. Yeah, at straights too. Well, whatever. Where, <laughs> however you identify, Article has you covered. So all in-stock items are delivered in two weeks or less, which I, which I love because I want it now. Oh like, my I God, want it immediately. Same, I same, fall in love same, with same. something and I'm like, I want it tomorrow. And Article's yes. like, yeah, kinda. Yeah. Um, and there's also a 30-day return policy with simple returns and exchanges. You and I have been shopping on Article for our home and office for years now, you guys, and yeah. you can too. Article is now offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So go to article.com slash TCO and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout. That's article.com slash TCO to get 50 bucks off your first purchase of $100 or more. Go get your article on. Yeah, thanks for the style article, girl. <laughs> Loving you. Girl, what are we talking about? Sometimes I get halfway through that question and then I remember like, oh my God, we're talking about this. I know. So we're talking about this documentary called Dead Man's Line. Yeah. It is um, very stressful. Yeah. Look, we're going to play the trailer in a second, but this is about a guy who gets taken hostage by another guy. And the guy who does the hostage taking like chains a shotgun to this guy's neck and then like drags him around Indianapolis for three days. And all of it is caught on tape. Like every, and it's the 70s. We have almost more 
more footage about the thing than maybe any other documentary totally. we've covered. That's at least how it feels. So we see it. We're watching it. It feels like in real time it was over days. But, like, yeah. the guy lives. Can we say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should say that at the top. Like, the guy lives. I don't know how. By some fucking miracle this guy lives. I don't know how that's possible. Oh, well, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a hundred armed officers around here trying to get a shot at me. I dared them to shoot me. I didn't go down there to be a buffoon. I went down there for vengeance. And God God, I'll have vengeance. Well, if he pulls this gun and points at me, I'm going to shoot him. I hope they don't think I'm bluffing. They think I'm bluffing? My God, he's going to shoot him on television. He's coming out. He's coming out. I charge, and they've admitted it. He had a cable around a man's throat attached to the shotgun, so there's no way to get the shotgun away from the man's head. <laughs> In 1977, Tony Karitsis kidnapped a mortgage broker and held him captive for three days. For the first time ever, the media was able to cover the event live. To some, Tony was a hero. To others, he was a crazed thug. I knew what a shotgun sounded like. And I knew that was a shotgun. For the record, I really like this documentary. I think it's very well made. Yes. The tension, the music is perfect. Yeah. But it's got this great opening where uh-huh. we see all like the banana shit that happened in 1977. One of them is actually related to bananas. We'll get there in one second. <laughs> I got a giggle out of GP. Yep. I got a giggle. Well, my issue with this opening was that I'm like, why is it all out of order? We go from right. January right. to October <laughs> to July. And I'm like, we get it. 1977 was a mess. Why are we all over the place? She's a stickler for dates, you guys. She's a stickler for dates. You know why? Because that's why it takes me 16 hours to watch these things. Because I'm like, wait, what date was that? And I'm like, why are we out of order? Does that mean something? Oh, God. <laughs> so Carter is inaugurated. You guys, mm-hmm. we're going to slow down on it for just a second. The oh, Anita Brian, October 14th, banana cream pie in the face. If we were going to go on a crusade across the nation and try to do away with the homosexuals. This bitch, I'm sorry I'm going to say it. Anita Bryant is a monster. She's still alive. You can send her an email. She was on a campaign to, quote, save our children. That whole campaign was about making it illegal for gays to teach in the public schools. But she was just like this crazy woman. She was like a, quote, beauty queen, whatever, who, like, became famous for her vitriol against gay men. And, like, this is a famous video of the pie in the face, and I love every fucking second of it. I could watch it 8,000 times. I have in my notes, I was like, oh, look, Anita Bryant gets a pie in the face for spewing hate speech about gay people like yep that's like that should be the little the little subtitle of her biography yeah and then it's like oh son of sam was that year elvis dies this girl is really upset about elvis dying she's very upset but she's thrilled that at least he died in graceland i know i just can't believe he's dead it's terrible but i just thank god that that elvis died here at graceland instead of on the road just like any other rock and roll singer And then the New York City blackout happens. So I just have, you guys, 1977 was a really fucking weird year, you guys. Well, here's the thing. 1977 had barely started when our story begins because it's February 8th, 1977. We're in Indianapolis. And again, we have so much footage of this situation, but we also get like extended, extended phone calls. And this is how the story (laughs) starts because this guy (laughs) is at a hundred million. So he's just saying like, Sir, this is a dire emergency. A real serious thing. I've just taken a prisoner. It's not a crank call. I've got a 12-gauge sawed-off automatic shotgun. I've got a dead man lying on the prison. There's three shells in a fucking gun. There's one in the chamber and a man with a gun on his neck. Wrapped around it with a cable. He's holding the fucking safety in his hand. I'm just 
just calling to let you know I've taken a prisoner. I'm probably going to kill him maybe <laughs> if like no one listens to me. Yeah, yeah. And he just keeps saying like, this is real. I'm just letting know. you know this is real. <laughs> like the more this call goes on, the more you realize this man is fucking furious like he is so mad and he's also mentally unwell yes. like this guy is not stable and and this call is out of context because it's the very first thing we see but it really sets the tone for the whole thing and like he's just screaming his head off he tells us he went into the fourth floor of some building went into this guy named dick hall's office wired a shotgun to this guy's head then like wired the shotgun to his arm in a way that if somebody shoots the shooter and he falls down dead the shotgun's gonna go off if somebody tries to take the shotgun out of the shooter's hand the shotgun's gonna go off like basically this guy has made it so that if anyone touches him in any way the shotgun will go off and kill this guy dick hall so like we're about to see 90 minutes of like this guy mm -hmm. standing literally in the middle of 17 police officers who can't do anything to him and just one more question i just go dick hall what did you do girl i know Turns out his job. He just did his job. I so Dick Hall, the guy who was kidnapped or whatever, person napped, the, the shotgun is right in the back in the base of his neck. So this guy yeah. is leading him around with the shotgun pointed to the back of his neck. It's like a dog with a leash. And like right. we're going to hear over and over again that the collar that this guy made for this thing is really tight. Yeah. I want to point out one more time, this guy lives. This guy lives. And like I'm not downplaying the trauma of what he goes through because it's like four fucking days of this. Yeah. But yeah. like it's our job. We make a true crime comedy podcast. So we're going to make make jokes about some stuff. So this guy, his name is Tony Karitsis. Tony Karitsis is the guy who set up the gun on Dick Hall's back and he's on yeah. the phone screaming at us, right? Yeah. And the dispatcher is trying so hard to not set this guy off. He's already been set off. He's screaming right. and cursing and ranting and raving. Too late, dispatcher. Too late, girl. And he's like, now you listen to me. You tell this guy to play it cool. This is the real fucking McCoy. And the dispatcher just goes, oh, I believe you. And he goes... And Tony Kuritzis goes, I hope you're recording that, are you? And the dispatcher goes, oh, yeah. Let me tell you something, sir. You tell those guys to play it too, because this is the real fucking McCoy. Oh, I believe you. I hope you're recording all that, are you? Oh, yeah. And at what point, like, the guy on the phone is like, my name's Tony Kuritzis. And they're like, I'm sorry, sir. Can you spell that? So is it a K or a C or... And I'm like, this dispatcher, this is when you want the dispatchers to be like, ma'am, stop being so hysterical. Finally, this is the call where you want them to be like, stop screaming at me and relax. Yeah. So this phone call goes on forever, which I kind of love. Like, we really get a sense of this Tony Kuritzis guy. Yeah. The dispatcher is telling him to stay calm. He turns into Winterfred Sanderson. I am calm. He's screaming at the top of his lungs and cursing. And this is when we learn Tony Kuritzis calls everybody baby. And yeah, he's sure. as cool as a cucumber. They're like, sir, like, please, like, please calm down. And he's like, Shit, baby, I'm calm. There ain't a right. fucking nerve in my body. Now he's like a cool cat at the jazz club. Okay, we just want you to kind of keep calm as you can because you don't shit. Baby, I'm calm. There ain't a fucking nerve in my body. Let's just get one thing straight. Calm people do not behave this way. No. So you can scream at the top of your lungs how calm you are. The yes. more you scream, the less I believe you. We finally see the guy like on the street yeah. and you see him hand on trigger of a sawed off shotgun, the like collar wrapped around the guy's neck and he's leading the guy like a dog. Right. And so, again, so much footage. And there are 
girl, you're represented in this. I don't know if you saw her. <laughs> we see a woman running, running down the street in the opposite direction. And I'm like, oh, Patrick, girl, is that you? Bell bottoms, platforms, the whole 1977 vibe. I wrote it out like this. And I was like, oh, my brain did this weird cross wires thing. But it kind of works. I was like, uh-huh. she's running at the top of her lungs. <laughs> that's the only way. You know what that's called? That's called the Malfour. We learned that on, on Obsessed with Disappeared. When you take two, like, phrases and you, like, combine them in the wrong way, it's called a Malfour. I did it. Right. Yeah. She's running at the top of her lungs. And I was like, I'm going to keep those notes. I'm not going to edit that. She is booking it. I um I found me in another section, so okay. we'll get we'll get to me again in a minute, you guys. Don't you worry about it. Oh, God, I'm so glad you had different roles here. That's yeah. great. So now I don't know if this Tony guy with the gun has lost his car or he doesn't. He can't oh remember God. where it is. <laughs> he is wandering the streets with this guy connected to a shotgun, with cops literally walking like they could be holding hands. There's like 15 cops walking with this guy, but they can't do anything because if they touch him the wrong way, this gun's gonna go off. He's trying to find his car to go. God only knows where like just to be clear he lost his car he doesn't he doesn't remember where he parked they got down to the corner and tony's lost so he is leading he like makes this big grand gesture on the phone right he leads the guy down it's a terrifying thing to see there are tons of cops just like you said not sure what to do and he's like now what was it was it on washington (laughs) you guys he goes into a parking garage and goes to down to where he thinks the car is it's not there it's not there it's the wrong one and now he's just like shit he doesn't want to admit the obvious thing that he lost he he forgot where he parked right so then he starts trying to like fight with the cops yeah. it's unreal because he's just like leading everyone on this wild <laughs> goose chase to find this car like to be even more clear they are still trying to find his fucking car as tony kritzis is screaming at the cops we learn that he loves cops he wants to be yes. friends with them and so yes. he keeps like in the middle of apologizing like i hate to bring you guys into this i'm so sorry i really love cops he's like you dumb motherfucker he said he liked police officers some of his best friends are police officers said, now do your job. That was sort of the dichotomy of, of the way he thought is he's doing this wild, crazy act, but yet he thought they should be doing their jobs to stop him from doing what he's doing. He's yelling at them for not doing their job correctly and then apologizing for having to bring them into this. It's like, you didn't have to do any of this, Tony. It is very jarring to, like, watch you do that. It's great. To become Tony Kuritzis right before your very eyes. But, like, this is where you really shine, girl. It's like Marjorie Deal, Tony Kuritzis, like, this If only he was from Queens. I know. <laughs> and this like I'm I am freaking out in this moment because Tony is being so reckless like with oh, Dick Hall he's sort of yes. like trying to like drag him around and at one point because it's February right at one point Tony Kurtz slips and Tony and Dick fall to the oh. ground and I thought wait is this whole documentary going to be like the trauma we all endured watching this guy get shot it was terrifying to watch Tony turned around and actually pulled Hall as well as the shotgun. Then they slipped and fell, both of them. Got up, and I remember the look on his face. He was real surprised that that shotgun didn't go off. And so basically what they decide is that they're going to give this guy a cop car. Like, he, he can't find his car. They're all tired of wandering around Indianapolis looking for it. They're just going to give him a cop car. And so they're walking down, like, Washington Street. And, like, as they're getting closer and closer to the car, they hear, like, a loud crash. And everyone thinks it's the gun. Mm-hmm. You guys, this is me. This is where I saw myself because oh. the news camera turns. I hear this crash off to the side. And so I panned over. 
It was just some gawker, that poor guy, you know, driven up on this whole scene and, you know, he's looking and ran into the telephone pole. So I went back to Hall. A harmless crash. A harmless, harmless <laughs> little fender bender makes me laugh so hard. I was like, that that man died and was reincarnated as me the next day. Because that is so me. Like, just driving down, listening, blasting Indigo Girls at the peak volume. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? And you just never look back to the road and suddenly you're crashed into a telephone pole. You're a rubbernecker. Back I in the know. day, with the, like, traffic and weather and Queens would be like, oh, we got a lot of rubberneckers here. Uh, they're watching the accident. A <laughs> lot of traffic on the cross island with the rubberneck. Girl, HelloFresh is back. Look, everyone knows HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. For me, it is like the lifesaver. This is the talking point that I say that they don't even ask me to say. (laughs) When you have HelloFresh, you always know what's for dinner. So think it's 4.30 in the afternoon. You haven't planned your dinner. You don't want to go to the grocery store. All of a sudden, everybody's starving. And then you remember, oh, no, I don't have to worry about it. We've got HelloFresh. It's in the fridge. It's going to take us 30 minutes or less. We don't have to stress about anything. Right. And here's the thing. While doing that, it's not being wasteful. You know how I feel about sustainability, girl. So HelloFresh is not only the first carbon neutral meal kit, but it also helps you reduce your food waste by at least 25% with pre-portioned ingredients. Here's what I'm saying. You might love cilantro. Maybe cilantro tastes like soap to you. Either way, you can't (laughs) buy like a little bit of cilantro ever. You have to buy this big like wasteful bushel of bushel of cilantro, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. HelloFresh, you don't have to do that. Everything is just portioned out. And it's so helpful to know like this is exactly what I need. I'm not being wasteful. Oh, and I'm making something delicious. Yeah. Also, HelloFresh has Easy Eats, which offers tons of quick and easy meal solutions, like oven-ready 10 to 20-minute meals. This is why, since we got HelloFresh, we I, I literally have not been back to the grocery store. You guys... Get in on the HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO10 and use code TCO10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's right. So go to HelloFresh.com slash TCO10. Use code TCO10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. When you guys have HelloFresh, you always know it's for dinner. I'm going to say it until I die, girl. (laughs) Yeah, and I agree. Don't say it. Don't do that thing where it sounds like we don't agree. So Tony gets into the cop car. He, like, shoves himself over to the passenger seat, dragging Dick Hall by the gun collar to put him in the driver's seat so they can, like, drive away. I gotta say, I cannot imagine what is going through Dick Hall's, like, mind right now. Like, he's not speaking, like, eyes wide open. Like, I just can't imagine it. Yeah. So Tony takes Dick Hall to his apartment. And it's just bananas to see this, like, it's an apartment building in Indianapolis in the middle of nowhere. It looks almost like an elementary school. Like, there's nothing around it. Yeah, and it's not a high rise. So it's no. only a couple of floors up. So it feels very accessible, right? Yeah, and he yeah. tells the cop. He went inside me and several officers followed him. He went into his apartment and talked to him for a little bit. He says, everybody better get away from this door. Don't don't come near this place. He says, I got it wired. So this whole building will go up. Oh, also, um, this whole building is wired, so if you come near me or try to shoot me or something, the whole building will explode, so. Then we see these trucks full of, like, dynamite. It looks like a fucking Roadrunner cartoon. I know. You know? (laughs) And then we, like, hear, too, like, we'll hear from snipers eventually who are saying that, like, they're on, like, the opposite building, like, across the street, and they can see through their little telescopes that, like, Tony has his entire apartment rigged. Well, what happened, he had cans of gasoline with candles, and if... If a string broke and the candle went down and they hit the gasoline, then away it went. And because of that, the snipers couldn't do anything. I mean, they had a beat on him many, many times up there where they could have popped him if they want, but they're afraid if they broke the window with the shot, 
that it would trigger this thing and away she went. The snipers, they were like, we're good, but like, who the hell knows? Like, we're trying to get a person when we snipe, not try to dodge yeah, a string yeah. that can absolutely trigger this thing and, and cause a gigantic explosion. So the snipers were just sitting there like, we got eyes on them, but what the fuck are we supposed to do? And they also, this is like a residential building full of people. Girl, I make another appearance. You're everywhere. You're all over the place. <laughs> they evacuate this building. Most people are just kind of walking out. Then there's this old, annoyed lady who you could tell, like, the thought bubble, it's me. It's the thought bubble above her head is she'd rather burn with the building than put her slippers and coat on and have to actually leave for a day. Yeah, because she was just about to find out how Columbo got the guy. Totally. And now she spent 90 minutes. Totally. She, yeah, just because we know how the murder happened. She wants to see the big reveal at the end of Columbo. That's why we're here. Her hair was in curlers. She was not happy. She was watching her stories and look. Exactly. <laughs> I can relate. So now, like, Tony's friends, or so he says, he knows a lot of cops. And a lot of the cops are like, uh, we just sort of all went to the same coffee shop. Or it's more like Tony found out where the coffee shop was that the cops went to and started going there. Right, yeah, 100%. Exactly. Tony is such a fucking loser, you guys. Like, we're going to hear him say in a minute, I'm a 34-year-old man. I've never been drunk. I've never been married. I've never been engaged. I've never gone He's like, I've never been married. Well, I never even went on a date. I never gone steady. My Tony's pretty good too, girl. I know. And he's like, all I do is work. And I'm like, all we do is work. And I, I still took a day out to get married, Tony. My work-life balance might not be great, but it's better than yours, girl. Ours is non-existent. However, we haven't snapped yet. If quarantine hasn't gotten me to snap, I think I'm going to be okay. You know, I think you're in good shape. I, have, I agree. <laughs> We've made it this far. But then we learn that, like, this is not the first time Tony Karitsis has done something like this. Okay, what happened after the other two incidents? He once, one time held a city official seven or eight years ago. Then he held his sister yes. for some time. Yes. What happened after those two incidents? Did he just go free? Well, I arrested him one time for uh, assault and battery attempt to kill, and he was put on probation. Tony Karitzis held a city official hostage, and he also held his sister hostage. Girl, who holds people hostage? Multiple times. So we see this conversation with Frank the cop and Josh the reporter, and Josh is like <laughs> team us, because he's trying yeah. to really get to the bottom of it. So Josh is like, so tell me, uh, Frank the cop, hi, um, so Frank. tell me what happened after those two incidents. Did he just like go free both times, or like what was that about? And Frank ignores those two things. <laughs> he ignores the city official being held hostage, and yeah. Tony his own sister totally. and Frank is like you know now that you're asking me I did arrest him that one time for assault and battery with attempt to kill but <laughs> but that was different that wasn't even one of those two times girl he was like yeah that was the time he took a couple shots at his brother and I'm like right. wait but Josh is like us like where's Josh yeah. I want to know where Josh the reporter is today because it's like oh yeah you know assault and battery with intent to kill and then you know he took a couple shots at his brother and I'm right. like in addition to those other things and Josh must be a theater kid at heart because he takes the perfect beat and he's like, Any advanced warning on this, or is this something that just came out of the clear blue sky this morning? So uh, any advanced warning on this situation, or did it come out of the clear blue sky? And Frank <laughs> misses that whole sense of sarcasm. And, like, did, was there, did anyone have a feeling maybe this yeah. would happen, or is it just the clear? When he says, did it come out of the clear blue sky? I'm like, Josh, girl, where are you today? Drinks are on me. I love this. We need to find Josh. Hashtag, where's Josh? Josh, find Josh, Josh the reporter. So now, like, the cops are coming and going from the building. Like, remember, Tony likes the cops. And so, mm -hmm. like, the cops are going in. We hear, like, the news reporters being like, Very low. Within the last 25 or 30 minutes, uh, the situation has deteriorated. 
generated uh, some, to what extent exactly, we don't know. Although there has been a good deal of yelling and screaming going on over the telephone and through the door. We're hearing a lot of hollering and yelling through the door. <laughs> and like the cops are just standing outside the guy's door, screaming through the door, trying to reason with him. He won't reason with anybody, so mm-hmm. they call Tony's brother. We learned that Tony has three brothers. He really doesn't like two of them, they say. Yeah, one he took shots at. <laughs> right. This other brother was somewhere else in the state. He gets an urgent message that he's going to call this police department or whatever. They're like, oh, girl, your brother has a hostage in his apartment. We need you. You're the only one who can talk sense to him. The brother's like, I'll be right there. They're like, don't, we're sending you a chopper. I called Frank Levin, told him I would be on my way. And he asked me, he said, Jim, do not drive. He said, we're going to send a helicopter. He said, where can it land? He's like, God damn it. Cheryl, he, he took someone hostage again. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, Tony. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if it's a city official again or not, but I don't, I gotta go. They're sending me a chopper this time. It must be serious. And then we get a reporter because it's like he has three brothers but doesn't like two of them, which I get. Like, fam- if your family's toxic, like, fine. Like, fuck that. Like, oh, it's- she's your mother. Call her. No, if your mom's toxic, like, get rid of it. I totally understand. You are such an advocate for, like, fucking hating your family, which I love. Because you love your, like, your immediate family you love. My immediate family I do, absolutely. Exactly. My immediate I just want that on the record. My immediate family. It's my fa- <laughs> It's one of my favorite. Every episode I find a new favorite thing. You are an advocate for, like, don't fucking talk to Sheila. You don't have to fucking call her back if you don't want to. If Sheila is toxic to you and you have to like recover after you talk to Sheila, do not return her phone call. Fuck Sheila. So, but we we get we get a, a news reporter because it's like he has three brothers but he doesn't like two of them and then the news reporter is like the one he does like Jimmy Caritas was called was brought here by helicopter from Brown County the one he does like Jimmy was flown in moments ago and I'm like <laughs> wait you guys we see the chopper land we actually <laughs> see <laughs> <the> <laughs> <light>. <laughs> Just like, Jimmy's like <laughs> And then Jimmy doesn't even take a beat. He just like runs right from the chopper to the guy's front door. He has experience with this. This is the sixth time Tony's taken somebody hostage. (laughs) Jesus Christ. How is that allowed? The city official, the sister, shots at his brother, assault with intent to kill. I know. He shot at the guy. What did Jimmy do that Tony likes him so much, I wonder? Like, why Jimmy? You know, Jimmy just puts up with his shit. Yeah. He makes excuses left and right. And he also lies for him. Actually, fuck that. Totally. So we meet George the prosecutor, and this is where we see George the prosecutor doing press conferences to communicate directly to Tony. Tony, as you know, I've talked to you on the telephone. You've made certain specific demands, and um, in attempting to comply with these demands, I have requested a personal friend of yours, Mr. Cliff Chapman, to read a statement to you on behalf of Meridian Mortgage and Hall Hoddle. You guys, they literally have, like, CBS is donating their airtime so that they can communicate. And it's all very public, which we learn is extremely dangerous. But so, you know, like, Tony has all these demands. He doesn't want to be arrested. He doesn't want any mental health treatment. He wants a public apology. He wants all these damages. And we're like, wait, public apology from who? And it turns out, we'll get there in a second. We still don't know what he's even mad about yet in the documentary. Right. So the company he's mad at, the VP comes and he gives this apology and it's all in the editing. It's fine. Yeah. It's ruthless editing. But to me, it's like the yeah. apology is like, this is an apology for anything we've ever done to make you mad. Please and thank you. Bye. Like it's one. Right. It's just one sentence. And Tony's like, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. This statement I am reading has been authorized by Mr. M.L. Hall, the chairman of the board of Meridian Mortgage and Hall Hoddle. This is a public apology to Anthony Kritzis for all wrongs Meridian Mortgage or Hall Hoddle have committed in respect to Mr. Kritzis. Thank you. 
It's eerily like a preemptive pardon, you guys. Um, I, I wanted to also point out that when we cut away from the press conference, we cut back to the anchor of the news, who's like going to throw to the reporter on the scene for follow-up questions. Uh-huh. This reporter is a lady, and her name is Hank. And that is my favorite thing in this. I texted you. I was like, I need this lady reporter, Hank, to get her own documentary. Because they literally, he asked her a question, and he goes, uh, Hank, are you still out there? Yes, I'm here. Are there any other demands that you know of? Uh, there apparently were some other demands. Uh, hold on a second, I'll find out exactly what they are. Yes, and I will ask somebody near me what they were. <laughs> it's, it's chaos down here, Tom. It is chaos down here. At the press conference to the kidnapper with a gun. Like, like the, the amount, like I almost wish that there was more of that where it's like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like I'm just here and it's all scary and nobody has any information and this has never happened and it probably shouldn't be on the six o'clock news, but here we fucking are. I don't know. Bye. Throw to commercial, technical difficulties. Like I wish they wouldn't try to be so calm all the time Uh and like uh together. No one has it together in this kind of situation. Nobody. All of that is true. Lady reporter Hank was not expecting a follow-up question. She just wasn't. She shouldn't have been asked it. Leave her alone. It's chaos down here, Tom. Tom, get a grip. (laughs) Tom, I don't know if you know it, but there's a man walking around with Uh another man connected to a shotgun by a neck collar, Tom. Yeah, Tom, have you watched your own news report, Tom? Do you know what's happening down here, Tom? Clearly you don't. You wouldn't be asking me such stupid questions. Like, well, what do you think is happening, Tom? What do you think? <laughs> remember that time I laughed so hard I had to get out of my chair because my back hurt? We're getting there. I remember the time you laughed your glasses off. <laughs> <laughs> True crime obsessed. So funny. You'll laugh your glasses off. And you'll run at the top of your lungs. <laughs> Travel new sponsor this week. I'm so excited. Peloton is sponsoring the show this week. Yeah, I used to be scared of working out and now now I'm really not anymore. Thank you so much, Peloton. The thing is, I'm just learning about Peloton because the biking is really my jam. That is not to say that biking is all they do. They also have tread workouts. They have body weight strength training workouts. You can combine them so you're doing a bike workout that also includes strength training. Fancy. I'm like loving learning about Peloton. The whole deal is that you can do live classes. The one I was taking the other day had 5,000 people in it across the country. It's so fun! It's motivating too because you can compare your stats to like other people in the class that are in your age range or your weight range. You can see how you stack up or you can turn that completely off and just like go on your own journey. And here's what I love about that too. They also have like playlists and you can get like Hamilton, you can get like show tunes and for me, it's easier for me to just like zone out and forget that I'm working out. That's the thing that's really important. We were jamming out to the Madonna playlist in the class I did last week and the other thing you guys, you can do live instruction or you can do the pre-recorded one so you can do it on your schedule and also the classes are for every level you guys I am not in the best shape of my life I don't know if you've seen me during the pandemic I'm kind of easing my way back into the exercise so you can take beginner classes you can take super advanced classes you can do the kind of classes on the bike where you don't sit down at all where it's Ooh. all right the, right the glutes I feel it already <laughs> Oof, my own. I am working up to a class like that I am not quite there yet but it's for everybody Peloton is the best you guys can get started with your Peloton journey by going to OnePeloton.com to learn more. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. And I gotta tell you, they really want you to have all the information before you get involved. Like, they tell you everything you need to know. Oh, good. So I don't have to be nervous? They have my back? Oh, thank God. Okay. Great. Girl, 
Audible is a new sponsor. I am. So, I basically begged for Audible to be a sponsor because I am obsessed. I've been using Audible for years. As you guys know, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more. Like, so much more, girl. Yeah, so I remember when Audible was just books. No, yeah. this is not your grandma's Audible. No. They have podcasts. They have theater performances. They have comedy. They have absolutely everything. It's really amazing. You guys, my favorite thing that I've ever listened to on Audible was a podcast called West Cork. It's a murder mystery. I binged the whole thing like in a day. That's my favorite thing on Audible right now. Yeah, I have two because everyone always asks us like our true crime book recommendations. Yes, yeah. I'm going to say, of course, Robbie's book, Adnan Story. Yes! But they, they also have one of my favorite true crime books that I always recommend. It's called Under the Banner of Heaven. It's about yes! these Mormon fundamentalists. John Krakauer! I love that book! Yeah, he was going to do Into Thin Air. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah. they have that. I'm just saying, just in yeah. case you need something to read or listen to. And my, my last favorite thing I'm going to mention in this read is just that we listen to kids' books with Daisy now. So we got her off her other devices that were like mindless, and now she's got her Audible account just for her, and she listens to her kids' books all the time. We are obsessed. Yeah, and if you're wondering what Audible has, you can start exploring Audible with a free 30-day trial this minute. You guys, visit audible.com slash TCO or text TCO to 500-500. Yeah, we haven't done a text thing in a while. I'm going to repeat that. So you can go to audible.com slash TCO or text TCO to 500-500. Go get your Audible on. I love Audible. I'm so glad they're here. I know. <laughs> so it's day two of this madness. So when we got that title card, I like lost my mind. It's day two. Right. Are they sleeping? No. If the if Tony falls asleep, is the gun going to go off? You guys, it's day. Are they going to the bathroom? Like these are my real questions, yeah. Jillian. I don't think the trigger is as connected. I mean, we saw that they fell in snow and it didn't go off and Tony was shocked. Yeah. Like I don't think, yeah. So day two, Fred oh Heckman God. was the head honcho at the radio station. and <laughs> He was the Walter Cronkite of Indiana local radio, they tell us. And Tony wants airtime and Fred's going to give it to him. So He also desperately wants to be friends with Fred. Like, he really respects Fred. He says it 8,000 times. Yeah, Tony has his sights on Fred. And Fred's yeah. like, I'm going to air this unedited. He goes, this is going to be wild. We told him that uh, this would be re uh, for recording and uh, for the air. There are those of you who may be offended by some rather strong language. I would advise you to, to tune out. The guy's got a mouth on him. So if you're not into that, feel free to find some other free content to listen to. And I'm like, Fred, are you a podcaster, girl? Are you a podcaster? I, 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 you sound a little podcastery to me. So now Tony has the airwaves, thanks to Fred. And he is once again ranting and raving oh he's God. been furious for all 44 years of his life and then, and then he, go, he goes into this thing which is like fucking poor you he's like nobody has had the adversity that I've had but in spite of that and without arrogance and without putting my friends down and without being egotistical I am the strongest man mentally that I know. No one's dealt with the adversity I have. And I'm like, Tony? I like, I had to stop for a second I know. when he said that. And But he's going on and on and he's like, you I know, have like four pages of this, of what he says. But he never explains why. He's like, the average right. man could never handle this. Handle what? You know, these right, people right. tried to ruin my life. <laughs> Who and why? Like, you know, these guys are lucky they're dealing with me. Some nervous normal would have already shot him. And I'm like, Tony girl, what is happening? Like, just tell me why we're here and maybe you'll get what you want faster. Fuck these people. They played God lost. But I'm a mean motherfucker. 
They aren't going to intimidate me, and they aren't going to humiliate me. I've been a goddamn patsy all my life. I told this mother sucker up here, after all he's done, that I still couldn't hate him, but I could sure as hell do him. He also says, I'm 44 and I've never been drunk. Uh-huh. I did that thing where I pushed my chair away from my desk. I, I was like, well, that answers a lot of questions. I know. Just if you have a cocktail. <laughs> I know, Tony. A bourbon on the rocks goes a long way, you guys. And if you want to start with a vodka before you know it, you've had five. <laughs> I know. They go right down. <laughs> but like this guy, Fred, the Walter Cronkite of Indiana local radio. Right. Like, I mean, this like expletive laden, like tirade, truly. Yeah. He's like. Uh, Fred said that at some point. Uh, Jim Hilliard, who was our program director, called him into the office because they were all live on the radio and said, Fred, what are we going to do about all those fucks? Well, what are we going to do about all the fucks? (laughs) And I'm like, is that where all my fucks went? I... (laughs) Is that where... I love that this guy took all your fucks before you were even born, girl. You were born with no fucks to give. Tony took them all. Zero. You know what? He can have them. I don't want them. I'm not not in the market for any fucks, honestly. Like... (laughs) So this is where we really start to get into the fact that, like, one of his conditions for letting this guy go, he wants immunity from any and all prosecution. And we meet this guy who's going to be his lawyer, and he gets, like, sucked into this whole mess because Mm -hmm. now he's going to go, like, deal with the legal side of this because the fucking prosecutor is actually going along with this. I got a call from Chief Gallagher and says, Jack, Tony wants you here as his lawyer. Well, you know, like when Harry Truman sent me a telegram and got me in the army. I said, yes, so out I went. Have you examined the uh, immunity offer uh, yet? We, we don't know yet. We're just out here and we're we're going in. That's, that's all. They brought in Jack, the defense lawyer. They were like, Jack, do us a yeah. solid. And Jack's like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I, I passed the bar. Absolutely. I have yeah. a responsibility. He's like right. doing this big like West Wing <laughs> about like what like the law and what it means to be a defense <laughs> lawyer. And then he's like, for this? Oh, shit. Also, not for nothing, Jack the Lawyer was gorgeous back in the day. Jack the Lawyer is such a character. He's I know, such a character. So they're doing all of this very publicly, back and forth. Will he get immunity? Will he not? What the lawyers are saying, what the prosecutor is saying. We learned that this has been going on for 30 hours. And yeah. Tony has been using Fred and this radio station to learn about what they're saying about him. It became apparent to us during the course of this event that Tony Karitsis's real uh, window on what was occurring was WIBC radio. He was in contact with Fred. Fred was back in contact with him, but he was also listening. So Fred, again, is the Walter Cronkite guy. Right. And so basically, Tony is only listening to his coverage of the hostage situation. But because this is all public, they do a really stupid, irresponsible thing. Because Fred gets five minutes off, right? So right. it's some other, like, talky guy. Tony is listening to this, and this other talky guy says, uh, The Army bomb squad that's here has begun to try and think of ways to somehow get in without setting off the explosives, we're told unofficially uh, they could get in without setting uh, setting them off if uh, Caritzis were incapacitated. So Tony hears that and goes fucking bananas. So of course, boop, 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 Tony calls up Fred and starts <laughs> screaming with, at yeah. him about it. And Fred is, he was like, Tony, wait, Tony, what? <laughs> Tony wakes Fred up out of a sound sleep. And Fred missed it. He didn't hear what the guy said. So Tony doesn't know that. Tony thinks Fred was like in the room. And so Tony is screaming at him and Fred doesn't know why. Those motherfuckers just broadcast something on your fucking radio station. Now they're trying to lie about it, Fred. And I don't like it. Where the fuck? Don't tell me what I heard. Wait a second. Don't goddamn well what I heard. Tony, wait. 
it, and then fed it, and now they're going to act like I was hearing things. Tony? And he's like, wait, Tony, I was asleep, girl. You got slowed down. Tell me what happened. So Tony's like, fuck you, Fred. Click. And Fred's like, what the fuck? So then Fred calls the producer and he's like, what did you say? Why is he so mad? What happened? And the producer goes, I don't even know. I don't even remember. He's talking, saying some shit. Why is he mad? Why are you mad, bro? And I'm like, wait a second. To not know what you might have said to trigger this guy into calling his best friend Fred and screaming at him? And poor Fred is just trying to sleep. This guy's the Walter Cronkite of Indiana Local Radio. He needs his beauty sleep. He wants to get 21 minutes, not even like a full half hour, 28 minutes of shut eye in the break room. Which is not real sleep because everyone's screaming outside because there's a madman on the loose. And then we get five minutes of like Fred calling him back and then Tony gets mad and hangs up and then Tony Uh calls back and he's like, I really respect you. And then hangs up like, can you imagine you're the guy with the gun to your head? And like, you're like, this is it. This is the guy. And in the middle of all of this back and forth, the producer's like, I don't know what I said, Fred. Also, they want you down there as part of this whole like negotiation thing. (laughs) And Fred also like not cut from our cloth is like, absolutely. Whatever you need. But also. So what the fuck did you say? <laughs> so now, finally, the FBI gets involved. It f- feels like it's been a really too long for the FBI not to have been there. But they send this guy, Patrick Mullaney. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a boss bitch. And then the FBI sent in this uh, hostage negotiator psychologist who had a heck of a reputation. I mean, he had a country ride reputation on these things. And he, of course, was trying to size Tony up as to you know, how to handle him and how to direct questions to him and don't get him excited and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he really knew what he was doing. He shows up. He's a profiler. None of these people have even ever heard the word profiler before. And basically, this guy, Patrick, seems like a really smart guy. But what he's saying is like... He said the person with this personality type needs to be in control of the situation. And any time that you try to, to take that back, uh, then, then we're going to have a situation that becomes very, very dangerous. If he feels like he's not in charge, he's going to get real mad, you guys. Yeah. And we can only negotiate with this guy when he's like on the upswing. And I love Patrick. But they needed to call a specialist in to be like, the guy's really temperamental. I know. I know. Girl, FabFitFun is back. We love FabFitFun. Tell the people everything. All right. Here's the thing about FabFitFun. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box. You get wellness stuff. You get beauty stuff. They're all full-size products. And everything in the box is worth like over 200 bucks. But you get it for $49 for every season. And it feels like a gift to yourself, right? Feels like. It 100% (laughs) is a gift to yourself. Because you can customize. You can go on the website and customize. Or you can say, surprise me. Which really does make it feel like a gift. Because I'll forget that it's coming. Ding dong. The mail comes. And I'm like, oh my god. I don't even know what's in it. This is the best. And imagine, you guys, 2020 is the year you needed the FabFitFun, girl. I really don't know where I'd be without it. Every couple months, just like, oh, wow. So they they sent me this robe. They have this amazing, amazing robe. It's the Summer and Rose Cozy Robe. Let me tell you, it was really... like a hug from someone whoever I needed it in that moment I was like I hate 2020 I'm just gonna put on my summer and rose cozy robe I gotta tell you Daisy is a six year old professional unboxer now can she teach me how to not just rip it apart and make a mess on the floor of my apartment she cannot she does not know how to do it that's what everybody does when you get a FabFitFun unbox you tear that thing apart and you jump right into like the self careness of it all yeah every couple seconds Mike hears ooh ooh oh this that's just that's the running commentary that's what my unboxing sounds like so 
So you guys, order your winter box today. Sign up now so you can get amazing products like those Lily Pulitzer mugs or that, what's that robe called, girl? The Summer Rose Cozy Robe. Thank you very much. <laughs> when you customize your box, you guys. So use coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. One more time, you guys. It's coupon code TCO for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. Have fun. Yeah. Be fab. Have fun. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing. We're going to learn the story about what he's actually mad about. Right. Here's what happens, according to Tony. (laughs) Patrick and Jillian would like you to know that this is not actually what happened. (laughs) We're going to go back and forth. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Tony has 17 acres of land. He cleared all the trees by himself, blah, 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 blah. Let's give him all the awards. He had purchased this 17 acres of land, cleared many of the trees himself, hoping to start a shopping center. He said he had some commitments from a grocery store chain, offering about $3 million to start a center. Then he says the mortgage company moved in and lured the prospective clients away to other properties. According to Tony, Dick Hall works for the mortgage investment company or whatever that came in and lured all these prospective clients and grocery stores away from Tony's $3 million plus deal. So Tony is obviously emotionally unstable. Like this guy's got a lot of problems. But in his own mind, remember, he's given up marriage. He's given up ever having a fucking cocktail. He's worked his whole life. Work, 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 work. And I think he thought he was going to finally make it. And when in his mind, this is what happened, happened, he just went bananas. Right. now it's day three. Girl, how are they still awake? I don't know. I don't know. Are they pooping? I don't know. I hate to ask you about poop, girl, but are they pooping? You can say, we can talk about poop. <laughs> you know, I know you and me can talk about poop, but like to talk about Tony's poop, is Tony pooping? I think Tony's backed up <laughs> in a lot of ways. What about I don't think they're eating either. Like, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of pee and I think there's like water (laughs) sparingly, which is like terrifying and horrible. Oh, God. I was thinking about Dick Hall and how like, I feel like he had to disassociate. Like, I feel like if he didn't spend the rest of his life in therapy, that poor fucking guy, like that poor bastard. It's it's unbelievable. So Fred Heckman from the radio, the Walter Cronkite of the radio station (laughs) (laughs) has arrived. And Patrick, the profiler, is like, Fred, just appeal to his ego. And it's going to work. <laughs> and it does. By the way, this one, if I ever take a hostage, this will totally work with me too, by the way. Girl, please. You think... We- <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this would not last three days, I assure you. No. I would be starving. You send me one Domino's pizza and a Cosmo and the whole thing's over, girl. I was going to say, you'd be way too sober to go through with all this. So Fred, the the radio guy, is appealing to Tony's ego and it totally works. And Tony calls and like apologizes for getting mad at him earlier. Sorry, I was so angry. I get tired of hearing on the radio and various media that they're going to save Mr. Hall and they never say a goddamn thing about me. Tony thinks he's coming out of this with a friendship with Fred. It's not going to happen, girl. He thinks he's getting invited to the Indiana local radio awards and he's going to be like he's going to be Fred's date and he calls to complain so apologize to Fred but he's complaining everyone's talking a little too much about my hostage everyone's talking about this Dick Hall guy no one's talking enough about me and I'm like this is all about you I mean we want to save Dick Hall but like girl you're not seeing things the way they really are so George the prosecutor the guy who's been doing all these press conferences speaking directly to Tony George is there and George to the shock of everyone is like yep we are going Going to give Tony Kritzis 100% immunity for this case. Like, but here, my favorite part is that he never once says Tony Kritzis's name correctly. Not once. He says Tony Kritzis 15 times. He doesn't yeah. say it properly once. It's entitled Letter of Immunity Granted to Anthony George Kritzis. Mr. Anthony George Kritzis. The Marion County Prosecutor, James F. Kelly, does hereby confer and grant 
to Anthony George Carissus, immunity from prosecution with reference to the abduction of Richard Hall. You guys, they are going to give this guy full fucking immunity. I was losing my fucking mind. And one of the local reporters was like... If immunity is granted, what effect might this have, do you think, on people who might be considering the same course of action? Some people might consider that this would encourage them to do this kind of thing. What, what do you think? And the, the guy is like, not so much my problem, girl. Not really what we're talking about today. Yeah, and the public's like, but we want him held accountable. Like, because this is like the eighth time he's done this. It would be really nice if he didn't get away with it again. And George is like, that sounds like a you problem. Somewhere his sister's like, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding Jesus me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So the FBI, again, appealing to this guy's ego is like, let's just create yeah. a stage for him to walk out on. Again, this would totally fucking work for me too, I girl. Because- I know. <laughs> like a stage or like just a nice old classic cocktail bar? This is when you know nobody called me. Right. If they have a stage set up for you, right. nobody called me. Yeah, exactly. But like this fucking works. The, the FBI guy, that Patrick guy is like. And then we had the concept of creating a stage. That's why we all retreated to the lobby of that apartment building. That was meant for him to see on television to suck him out. We knew that once he saw it, he'd say to himself, that's where I should be. Tony's going to be like, where's my spotlight? I need to be there. Right. And this is exactly what fucking happened. He's Maureen and Rent, which way to the stage? And that's what happens. <laughs> and we just hear reporters like, oh my God, here he is, here he is. He like comes down in the elevator and is just like, here I am, world. Like, where's my, like, I'm ready for my close-up. Dragging Dick Hall by a shotgun, by a leash on his neck. Like, by the way, this is where they emerge after basically four fucking days. Dick Hall looks delirious. Tony looks like not a minute has passed. Because he just got, like, invigorated again because all this yeah. attention is on him. So yeah. apparently the Oscars or something are on because this feed of what is happening yes. in the lobby of Tony Kuritz's apartment building cuts into the Oscars. All you people who are watching on television, thank you for taking such a... We interrupt our regular program schedule to bring you the following special report from ABC News... Turn the goddamn cameras on. We have to explain how this looks. So Tony, again, hand on the trigger, the gun at this guy's neck. He is surrounded by people. There's a hundred people there. And it's like every single person there is within touching distance. Mm -hmm. Everyone could touch him. And he's making jokes. He's like laughing. He's got Dick Hall on a gun leash. He's like seeing people that he recognizes in the crowd. He's like, this trooper right here. Come here, Mark. A hell of a good friend of mine. A lot of friends of mine here. Hell of a man. Good cop, this guy. He, he, like, calls one of his cop buddies over to commend him on being a great cop. And then he's like, I don't know this guy. I don't know him. Like, uh, <laughs> But it was, remember um, with the Ted Bundy press conference where he, like, got to read a statement? It reminded me of that a lot, where I'm yes. like, why, why, why? I love that we have so much footage. But why yes. is so much footage him on the news having a platform and a microphone and a camera to spew all this bullshit? Surrounded by people. It is unbelievable how close everybody is to him. And he is screaming. He's like, turn the goddamn cameras on. Read it, pal. Read it. And he throws this piece of paper in Dick Hall's face and like screaming at him to read it. Dick Hall gets half a word out and Tony yanks it from him. He's like, I'll fucking read it. I'll handle it. Hold it. Hold it. I want this goddamn thing understood. I'll read it. 
Tony is spiraling. He's manic. He has no, he like wants so badly to make it seem like he has control of everything, but like he's yeah. never looked more out of control. Yeah. And like at one point it cuts to some, like a reporter that was there now giving a two camera interview. And she goes, frankly, I didn't care for his language. No, because he's like, hold it. I, I want this thing goddamn understood. I'll fucking read it. And he's like, I, Tony, I want water. He doesn't even get through two words. And he's like, I want a glass of water. And I'm like, oh my God. Then he's screaming about how sober he is. And he's like, I had six drinks in 1976 and not a single one this year. And then I, I'm like, just have a cocktail. <laughs> Just have a cocktail. Yeah, and everyone is saying that he sounds crazy. He sounds suicidal. Like, people are starting to say, like, is he going to blow this guy's head off on, like, live television? I'm thinking the same thing. Me too. And that we start to learn that the cops around him had an actual plan. Chief Gallagher get a gun in one pocket and a handkerchief in the other. When he pulled the handkerchief out, that meant that he was going to shoot and kill Tony. He said three times. He reached into his pocket for the handkerchief during the press conference. And he said three times he put it back. If he pulled the handkerchief out, it meant it was go time. And he was going to take his gun and put it behind Tony's ear and kill him that way. While another cop tries to jam the rifle so it doesn't go off and kill Dick. Like, it's bananas. And that is all fine. I'm so glad you had a plan. But, like, there are too many things that could have gone wrong. But, like, he's getting crazier and crazier. He's, like, he's laughing and screaming and then crying and apologizing. I also have to apologize to this man family. I am sorry I humiliated this man this way, even though he must have surely had it coming. It is fucking bananas. And then all of this kind of happens at once where it's like, this guy's getting immunity. Remember, he's not going to be held accountable for any of this. And all they're waiting for is a $5 million check that has been promised to him by the bank. So like, now it's time for him to get all the shit he's got coming to him. So they move the party inside and we sort of get some audio of Tony in the room getting the promissory note and then calling his brother being like, Hey, baby. Just got the signed paper. It's all over, man. I got $5 million. You tell them all, and I'll be down there. Just don't worry about it. You okay? You? No, hell, I'm free, man. I'm free. He even makes a joke. He's like, oh, don't mind me. I'm just waiting for the five mil I just stole. Yeah. Like, what is happening? And you kind of hear the cops trying to get the thing off of Dick's neck, and then you hear a gunshot. And everyone panics. Like, then we start to see, like, the news footage from the time being like, we don't know what's going on. They went inside. We heard a gunshot. Everyone thought Dick was dead. Because the first thing you hear, you hear Tony say, you know what I want to do? I want to do this. And it sounds really deliberate. But what happened was that they finally got Dick Hall free. And finally this gun is out. And what he wants to do is he runs outside and shoots the gun in the air to prove that it was loaded. And he could have killed Dick Hall if he wanted to. And as soon as all this happens, you're like, this guy's getting his $5 million check and like a police escort to wherever the fuck he wants to go. And then, thank the Lord, it turns out that like none of the immunity shit holds up. The whole thing is that like the way it was written was that it will only be honored basically if the prosecutor feels like honoring it. And he's like, yeah, that's not happening. Right. The same prosecutor who we've seen in all these press conferences. He's like, I'm sorry. Did you think we were actually giving him immunity? (laughs) I'm like, yes, I did think that. I'll say this. There was never any intention on the part of the prosecutor's office to honor the terms. Like that 
to me, that was the better plan. Like, totally. yes, you could have 15 cops around him and the white handkerchief and yeah. all these fucking signals, or you can pretend <laughs> to give the guy $5 million in immunity, yes. get him to unhook the contraption, and then say, oh, sorry, bitch. Absolutely not. So they take him away, you guys. They take him away, and then I'm, like, looking at the clock, and I'm like, we still have 30 minutes of this documentary. Because, you guys, he obviously now is going to stand trial. We go through how he gets his lawyers, and I'm like, we're meeting the jurors, and we're meeting all the people who were there, and I'm like, obviously this guy is going to be found guilty. Like, why do we have to watch 30 minutes of this? You guys, they do the insanity defense and it fucking works. I know. This guy gets completely off. He gets completely off. Which is so crazy because Jack, the defense lawyer, he bailed. He was like, fuck this. Yeah, he's like, I actually am going to be a witness for the prosecution, you fucking crazy dirtbag. Right. And he's like, he actually had a hard time getting other lawyers because nobody can get along with this guy. And I'm like, yeah, shocking. <laughs> but the thing is, like, what's so crazy is that all the jurors... They saw this play out for three days on TV. This was yeah. planned. He rigged his apartment. He rigged yes. the contraption. Like, the prosecution was like, we have this in the bag. Yeah. Like, no, everyone saw it happen. Everyone saw it unfold. We cut into the Oscars so this guy could be screaming at you for an hour. He ruined this guy's life. Like, yeah, I, you know absolutely. what I mean? We learn a little bit more about what became of Dick Hall in a minute. But, like, he ruined this guy's life, put so many people in danger. How much money, like, the resources that went into, like, staking out his house for four days. Right. He gets off girl and we even get another reporter where it's like okay so like tony takes the stand and she's like maybe now we'll hear more about why this happened and i thought at that point well we're really going to hear what Rudian mortgage did to him and it was the same old story just when you thought you were going to find out what it was that they had done that really set him off he would zing off which made you think that well he just couldn't pay the mortgage and eventually they were going to foreclose on the land i mean that's basically where you ended up every time tony just couldn't pay the mortgage yes. there's no big scam here they kept giving him extension after extension after extension yep. he still couldn't pay it and then finally they were like yeah so like you signed this paperwork this is what we do this isn't working out they gave him the courtesy of all these extensions yeah. and like tony just assumed like everyone's out to get me they were trying to cheat him and then he spiraled and spiraled just like that guy in tread yeah and that, like that's kind of the end and like mm -hmm. that is such an important moment it's like to take stock of the fact that like everything tony said was a lie so this poor guy dick hall was just doing his job and like for four days was literally tortured by this fucking whack job. But Tony believed it. To him, it's yep. not a lie. Tony yep. believed it. Because the thing is, like, Tony ends up in a mental health facility for, like, 10 years. And then he's released in 1988 after the judge stated he was no longer dangerous. And, like, Tony gets to go on and live this quiet life. He died at the age of 72. And Dick Hall, his life was ruined. Yeah, he has a divorce from his wife. The company falls apart. His dad died. I mean, unless he went to therapy the very next day, like, right. the PTSD of what he went through is going to have ripple effects for the rest of his life. Totally. And they say that like he just faded in the background and then in 2017 he announced he was going to publish a memoir about his life and this incident. I mean, it looks like his book came out. It's called Caritzis and Me Enduring 63 Hours at Gunpoint. I'm fucking reading this book, girl. Your book is going to be called GP and Me. I know. No, I'm saying I want to read this book. I want to know what happened. But it's Caritzis and Me, GP and Me. Uh Maybe we should rethink your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, you guys, we did. What 
was this one called? Dead Man's Line. Yeah, it was really good. I really, really liked it. I, I strongly suggest you go watch this. The footage alone is worth seeing. I know. It's really unbelievable. And again, like, now that you know that Dick Hall lives, it's like, it's much it's much easier to watch. <laughs> yeah, and you guys, if you need more Jillian and me, if you're looking for some laughs to get you through the holidays, join us on the Patreon, you guys. It's over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download a bitch right this second. Every series you ever wanted us to cover from Netflix, Oxygen, Hulu, ID. I feel like there's even some um, biography. I feel like the Mary Kay Letourneau one was biography. Oh, yeah. Yes. There. <laughs> oh, Mary Kay Letourneau. <laughs> God. I can't even give her the title of a piece of work because she's I know. rapist trash. So Yeah, and there's also ad-free versions of these episodes uh, and everything else. Join us in the Facebook group. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Yeah. Um, if you haven't downloaded Jillian's radio play, you guys, Twas the Night, <laughs> available on the Hamilcast feed. Yeah, and at twasthenightplay.com, Superhot Husband Mike wrote it. It's totally free, raising money for the Actors yeah. Fund. Like It's all our Hamilton friends and Freestyle of Supreme Friends. It's like, I can't believe they all said yes. And Patrick is in it, which I cannot believe you said yes to that, too. Yeah, I get to scream a lot. It's really fun. It's so fun. Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing BTK, A Killer Among Us. This is from ID, right? Yes. There's a bunch of them, you guys. If you're watching along with us, this is the one from ID who we love. Yeah, it came out in 2019. So you guys stay tuned for the trailer for that and our ridiculous and hilarious outtakes. There's some good ones in this one, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. My voice is, ugh. I know. I know. <laughs> all right, loving you, girl. Loving you and loving you listening, too. Yes, loving you all. Thank you for giving us your ears. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. Don't be garbage, okay? Thanks, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what the initials BTK stand for? Bind, torture, and kill. All is murders. Each one was another nightmare. The body was nude, and police say badly decomposed. My mother died at the hands of one of the most disgusting social malignancies that's ever been introduced into this world. I feel their anguish that they're going through as they're dying. To this day, I feel it. What the hell did I do get punished by taking my mama that way? He was a man who was actually a monster with no soul. You will find a homicide. The city was really on edge. Um, those kind of things didn't happen here in the middle of the United States. You're dealing with a person who is uh, perverted, a person that is sick. That person is going to kill again. And good evening. We have exclusive details. A new communication that could be from the serial killer, BTK. He could not allow himself to be forgotten. He was taunting every female out there. This could be you. If you had asked me before 2005, I would have told you my life was pretty much the American dream with like these great parents and this great house. And then I learned that my dad was a sexual sadistic psychopath and that every day of my life was a lie. The filmmaker was like, have you ever seen chaos like this? And he was like, girl, yeah, I was in Vietnam. Um, <laughs> Look, it's one of those, it was one of those, like, um, it was one of those, you know, lots of costumes, lots of, you know mm. what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I had a joke there and then I lost it. I'm with you. I was, I was yep. going to let you go for as long as it took. <laughs> I'll yeah. never, I'll never escape the 70s. I was never I even know. officially there, but. So, I hate everything about this. Like, I, everything I about this makes me very stressed out. I don't want to be, I don't, like, identify with anyone here. 
I just want to go home. We also meet another reporter named Cheryl, who's like, uh, we all thought he was going to shoot this guy. Like, this is horrible. Her lower third says reporter, comma, wife. What the fuck? <laughs> Did you see that? No! What? It said reporter, comma, wife. Unless... <laughs> Maybe I read it wrong and it was reporter and then W something like about the the call letters. That's probably what oh. it was. That's what it was. Sorry, Cheryl. 